This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's always great to be with you, and I hope if you're new, you hear a voice here of reason of patriotism, of love for the Constitution, and a Muslim who's ready to take on the ideologies that threaten us, not only terrorism, which is a tactic, but the root cause, the ideologies that influence the radicalization of Muslims and threaten the security of the free world. Week to week, I think if you've subscribed before or listened before, you know that uh, there's no holds bar here. I give you straightforward, frank answers and honest on all the issues that uh, relate to our national security, foreign policy, and interactions with the Muslim world. And I think here we can breach that chasm between 10th, 11th, 12th century thought across the Muslim world dominated by Islamists, those who believe in political Islam, and the free world here in the West that has gone through Reformation, that has gone through an Enlightenment and, you know, there's a lot to discuss with you this week, uh, but I'm going to focus on, on one issue. An issue that I am going to coin a new term about, and I'm going to call it alt-jihadism. And what am I talking about? You know, for those of you that follow me, that uh, are on social media, that realize what we're up against, you know that, uh, and I spend most of my time, which is what I prefer to, is spend most of my time dealing with the primary threat, which is Islamist ideologies, the Wahhabis of Saudi Arabia, the Muslim Brotherhood, the Ikhwan of Egypt, the mothership of political Islam in the Sunni community, if you will, globally, the Khomeinists of Iran, all of these large movements that week to week you and I have been talking about. But there's also those in the West, those non-Muslims of many faiths who believe that Islam is the problem, that the religion itself is irreconcilable with modernity, with freedom. And that's a debate we should have. There's no doubt about it. Uh, This is, and I, as you know, for example, my rejection of the term Islamophobia is an endorsement of the fact that people should have the right and the freedom to criticize Islam. Islam is an idea. It doesn't have rights. So those who, the Islamists, who try to invoke 
Islamophobia, as we saw in Canada with the rule M103, that horrifically, I just, I can't believe it was passed, but basically wanted to focus Canada's efforts on eliminating Islamophobia. Forget the fact that it didn't really cover anti-Semitism and all the other discriminations and, and ideas of hate that might exist, but they called it Islamophobia. They didn't talk about bigotry against Muslims. They called it Islamophobia. Why? It's not about Muslims having rights or individual rights from or against bigotry. It's about Islam protecting the idea from being criticized and basically using freedom to endorse blasphemy laws. Now, having said that, in the last election cycle, we've seen the evolution recently of these terms alt-right and alt-left. And basically, you know, it's a term, those are adjectives, pejoratives, if you will, used to describe movements within each, each side of the political spectrum. And while members of these alt-movements may feel comfortable trying to identify with their fellow travelers on the right or the left, the members of the traditional right and left reject their extremism, their, oh, any means necessary, if you will, approach to agitation propaganda, to, uh, as you see with the alt-right, uh, folks that are basically white supremacists, nationalists, that reject and are quite xenophobic, uh, the alt-left, which has used violence and and uh, uh, chaos and anarchy to basically uh, whip up the American citizenry into a fervor. Well, I'm going to coin a term that I think will be very useful for Americans to begin to figure out, well, which of those criticisms about Islam, what ideas, and I think when we talk alt-right and alt-left, we're not talking human beings, we're talking their ideas. Conservatism, alt-conservatism, and alt-liberalism. So when we talk alt-jihad, I believe that term, which I'm coining, is about jihadists who are actually not Muslim, but they basically push an extreme singular interpretation of Islam as the only Islam that prevents and dictates to the Muslim world and to Muslims like myself who is and who is not a Muslim. And I would say, just like the old saying, treason by any other name, well, takfirism by any other name is what alt-jihadism is. Why is this important? Why am I taking your time talking about it? Well, I've seemed to be in, in our Muslim reform movement, which I've talked to you about before, has been taking a lot of incoming in the past few weeks. It seems to coincide with the Trump administration and uh, with uh, some of the changes. Again, not because of the Trump administration, but because many in the alt-jihadist community are concerned about a strategy that empowers and endorses reformers. So the alt-jihad movement is not only one that says Islam is singular, but the key to alt-jihadism is the belief that reform is not possible. That Islam is etched in stone as being theocratic, as being supremacist and totalitarian. And the Sharia state, the Islamic state of Islamic jurisprudence, is one that is fascistic and born out of theocracy and unreformable. That's alt-jihadism. So let's step back for a second. The traditional jihadist, right? What is jihad? 
It includes violent and nonviolent arms of those who advocate for the global advancement of any Islamic State ideas. So there's civilizational jihad that uses Western ideas to promote, Western societies rather, to promote Islamist mentalities. Now within Muslim-majority countries, or Dar al-Islam, the land of Islam, the Islamists want to take over those countries through some through nonviolent means democratically, as we saw with the Brotherhood in Egypt, which is a terrorist group, but often will use, as they did in the 2013 elections, will often use, I'm sorry, 2011 elections, and then the, the coup happened two years later. So they will use democratic means in order to get into power. And the Islamists were all too ready to fill in the vacuum of the Arab awakening. So they see the 56 majority countries that are Muslim of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation as their source, their font in which they can take over and create Islamist states of Sharia states. So their jihad then is part of an Islamic state. It's a military mandate of belonging to an Islamic state man, uh, military. So whether it's the Wahhabists, the extremists of Saudi Arabia that believe in a Salafi jihadism, whether it's the Hamas or Al-Qaeda or ISIS or the Taliban or the Iranian Revolutionary Guard or Hezbollah, Sunni or Shia sides, Islamic states have a jihad and that jihad is a struggle to maintain an Islamic identity and Islamic law within those states. And when they go to war, that jihad becomes violent jihad. Well, our Muslim reform movement, which I've talked to you about before, rejects violent jihad and believes that the ideas that inspire violent jihad need to be reformed. Now, the jihadists will try to establish Islamic states in Dar al-Islam, the land of Islam, where they're a minority, they want to, in that land of war, Dar al-Harb, if they're violent Islamists, violent jihadists, they will use terrorism to frighten and, and chaotically cause the West to withdraw their policies from Islamic land. Or they'll use nonviolent means to make the West believe that Islam is all peaceful and not a threat or make the West believe that the problems and the ills of the Islamic world are all the West's fault, and America or Britain's or Israel's fault, the other's fault. And they prey on the innocence and honesty of the West that wants to blame itself for so many things. That's their jihad. They're jihadists. Nonviolent and violent jihadists. So... Within that consciousness in the Muslim world, comprised of 1.6 billion people, there are those who believe in those jihads, violent and nonviolent, and then there's Muslims who reject that. And I would tell you that we believe a majority, a silent majority of Muslims reject it, and probably 60%, maybe 70%, so 30 to 40% of Muslims believe in some type of violent or nonviolent jihad, and they are a threat to the West, absolutely. But to say that Islam equals jihad 
rejects that 60% that may not believe in it. Now, are they in the leadership? Are they imams? Are they running universities? Are they running governments? Absolutely not. They are not the establishment Muslim community. But what does the alt-jihad think? The alt-jihadists, and I call them jihadists because they basically say the same thing these jihadists do, which is, you're not a Muslim if you don't believe in the Islamic State. You're not a Muslim. You don't toe the line of Islamic State theology and violent jihadism as being the ultimate way to die, as the Muslim Brotherhood mantra is. So, whether you're alt-jihadists that believe in one form of Islam, and Islam is a militant faith, as they think, or you're a Wahhabi Muslim Brotherhood jihadist, what does it matter? Alt-jihad or regular jihad, the goal is the same. So, this is an important distinction, because I think, as we saw in American politics recently, the alt-movements don't care about morality. They're supremacists. And they don't fit into the debate happening within the movements. They just want to exploit an idea in order to take power, in order to become powerful. The alt-jihad is exploiting the idea of jihad in order to become powerful and in order to marginalize any solutions within the House of Islam. When we come back, I want to talk further about the al-Jihad. What's their goal? How do we counter them? And why is it important to me? Why am I taking the time to speak out? What have they said? And let's, let's look deeper, take a deeper dive into what the al-Jihad says about our work at the Muslim Reform Movement or the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. This is Zudi Jasser with Reform This, and I'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Reaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Reaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio radio network it's always great to be with you thank you for your time and i hope this week i begin to shed a little light about you know there's this division in the anti-jihad movement and it's it's easy to just say well that's just part of the debate but i think it's a it's a stark distinction between those of us who believe whether you're muslim or non-muslim that islam certainly has a problem But the battle is within the House of Islam, and within the House of Islam we have allies. Within the House of Islam there are devout Muslims who share the values of America and Israel and Europe and free countries across the world, and that we need to take their side. And then there are those who don't, who believe that Islam is the problem and 
the only Muslims that can be trusted are those who are nominal or, or, or cultural Muslims and not religious ones, which is absurd. Recently in The Federalist, there was an interview Steve Postel did with me in which I at length talked about our battle against political Islam, and he did it at the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the Muslim Reform Movement. And I talked to him about political correctness and the harm it's had. And I was very open about our successes, about the fact that our declaration had been out for a year, and it laid out in two pages principles that included condemnation of institutionalized sharia, the advancement and belief in the equality of men and women, the rejection of the caliphate and the Islamic State, and that how if the declaration really was heretical or really was not hitting at the core of what ideas need reform among Muslim leaders and scholars, it would have been deconstructed by many leaders as being un-Islamic, but it really has not. Well, the alt-jihadists picked up on that. They picked up on not on the substance of the interview, which I wish they had. Talked about Syria, talked about Iraq, how the Arab awakening has been a vacuum that got filled by our enemies, including Russia, Iran, the Islamists of ISIS and Muslim Brotherhood and others, and Qatar and Saudi Arabia. But no, they didn't look at all that global establishment that I'm trying, that we're trying to fight in the Muslim Reform Movement. No, they focused on one fact in which I said that we sent the letter to almost 3,000 mosques, over 500 Muslim leaders, and we got barely 20 to 40 responses. And that that must somehow mean that we are doomed to failure. And in fact, Stephen Kirby, the Des Moines, Iowa Act for America chair, said basically in writing for Robert Spencer's Jihad Watch, said, I'd like to save the Muslim reform movement time and non-Muslim money. Instead of a new study on why the Muslim reform movement has no support, I provide the answer. In terms of Islamic doctrine, the MRM declaration is blasphemous, and the MRM should not be surprised that over 99% of the larger community does not want to join in with that blasphemy. It is only attention from the non-Muslim world that will enable the reform movement to remain on life support, visible but irrelevant. Well, there you have it. With a few keystrokes, Stephen Kirby of Act for America, Robert Spencer allowed him to publish this, and then it was republished on a host of a number of other websites. And then you saw John Guandolo write in the Daily, in his website, Understanding the Threat, and then it was republished by Diana West at the Daily Caller, and then retweeted, tweeted by Claire Lopez, tweeted by Andrew Boston and others in this movement of what I would call alt-jihadists. And the alt-jihadists basically believe that they can, as Steve Kirby lays out here, determine what is and what is not Islamic doctrine. That they can use the words of Wahhabis to be theirs. They can use the declarations and determinations of heresy to marginalize the Muslim reform movement and then by channeling Wahhabis by channeling the Muslim Brotherhood supremacists, by channeling the Khomeinists and saying this is what they would say, they basically dance on our grave. 
Never mind the fact that you may send out mailers in, to audiences that love what you're doing and only get 3-4% back. But we send out mailers to folks that are clearly sitting in a country that gives them a haven of freedom and they really don't have to fight Islamism. So they can easily reject our declaration with little, with little uh, consequence. And one of the things I tell audiences all the time is that we need to put the fire under the feet of Muslims, hold them accountable for these ideas, hold them accountable for their legacy. This is what I talked at CPAC about a couple of weeks ago is ask your Muslim friends what is going to be their legacy. This is like the civil rights movement of the 60s. What ultimately led not only the African-American community, but the general American community to finally pay attention to the plight of African-Americans. There was a tipping point in which action finally happened, and I believe, as most studies have shown, that's 10% of the population. We're not even close, but yet the alt-jihad wants to basically articulate and do the work of the Wahhabis. They become proxies for jihadists. That's why they're the alt-jihad. Robert Spencer allows the publication of Stephen Kirby's constant trolling of our work. Kirby has written a number of pieces against our work. He wrote back after we launched the Muslim Reform Movement, a piece which basically could be described as what he felt was our movement was dead on arrival, or stillbirth, because he then provided Quranic interpretations as to why our interpretations were wrong. I debated Steve Kirby. You can look at that debate online from a couple of years ago when we did a panel in Omaha, Nebraska on the Global Tri-Faith Initiative there. And that panel talked about the realities of the challenges of Muslim reform and interpretation. And then he later publishes a piece called The Lure of Fantasy Islam and highlighted my interpretation of my own faith as a fantasy Islam. So here is a doctor sitting in his little bunker in, in Iowa with his Act for America chapter, then deciding what is and what is not Islam. He can say that Dr. Jasser's interpretation would be apostasy in Saudi Arabia. That would be facts. He could say it would be apostasy in Iran. He could say the Brotherhood would marginalize. But for this non-Muslim to say that his readings of it, and then argue in his piece that my, where I talk about the fact that the Qur'an that's interpreted by Wahhabis to say do not take Jews and Christians as friends, he then has the temerity to say that my interpretation of awliya or a wali in Arabic, which means legal sponsor, is wrong. Doesn't give an Arabic reason for that from a linguistic standpoint because friend is rafiq, wali is legal sponsor. No, he doesn't argue about the term. He then gives you three other interpretation or another interpretation from some scholar that's used, yes, is used frequently by Wahhabi Salafi clerics, but doesn't refute the Arabic interpretation. So again, the alt-jihad wants to marginalize and dance on the graves of reformers because their preconceived notion of Islam can never be defeated. Their preconceived notion of Islam and the agenda they have to push one form of Islam, which is jihadist Islam, is their only goal. There's no solution. They, they love being at a dead end. 
because that dead end is an Islamic dead end in which they want to paint all of Islam as one, which is the Islam of the Hadith of Hamas, the Hadith of the Ikhwan al-Muslimin, and the Islamist doctrine across the planet. So, then you have John Guandolo writing for his Understanding the Threat website, who writes that Sebastian Gorka and General McMaster are unfit for duty. And he describes that their endorsement, which Diana West provides in the Daily Caller, is that she applauds John Guandolo for his piece, Unfit for Duty, in which he argues that McMaster and Gorka are catastrophically wrong in their assessment of Islam. Not Islamism, political Islam, but Islam, as publicly stated, and that this is a leading this is leading America down a disastrous road towards defeat. She later says that even identifying it as Islamic terrorism is, is disastrous. It doesn't exist. Islam is radical. Islam is extreme. So be it. As Turkey's Erdogan said, Islam is Islam. Is That's it. He then, on, on Sebastian Gorka, she notes, the president's counterterrorism advisor is over the moon about Lieutenant General McMaster and the new security advisor. Speaking at CPAC this weekend, Gorka said, Zudi Jasser knows it better than anybody because he understands that this isn't about poverty or education. It's about people who are fighting for the soul of Islam. Not a war with Islam, but a war inside Islam. As King Abdullah, General Sisi, and others for which the version is for which version is going to win. And Guandolo says, utter nonsense. There is one version of Islam and one Sharia. To say otherwise is to be factually wrong, but also dangerous when national strategies are being built off that utter nonsense. On page 144 of his book, Gorka ends with the call of the United States to spend billions of dollars supporting Muslim reformers in their ideological war to delegitimize the message of the holy war against the infidel and bolster modern interpretations of Islam. They note, Guandolo and then here West at the Daily Caller, this demonstrates Sebastian Gorka is either completely free of any clue of Islamic doctrine or is intentionally lying about what Islam actually teaches. Since these ideas and strategies to use modern Muslims to ensure that the other version of Islam wins are based in fantasy. Again, there's the alt-jihad dog whistle. Fantasy Islam. These policies will necessarily fail and have failed the United States for 15 years. And then he asked Orca question after question about Islam. So, it seems that John Guandolo, Diana West, Stephen Kirby, Robert Spencer, the alt-jihadists seem to know what is and what is not Islam. Now, do I ever argue with the fact that their version of Islam is a major, if not the prominent, establishment version of Islam? No, not at all. But the simple definition, the definitive declaration that that is the only Islam, and anyone who says otherwise is lying to you, 
is the dream of the king of Saudi Arabia. It's the dream of the Khomeinis to have these kind of allies like Spencer and Guandolo working with them. What better Sharia activist do you want than the than the blabberings of Diana West, who says that this is Islam, it's the only Islam, than the writings of the Shia jihadists and the Sunni jihadists, who might as well be writing under the pen name of John Guandolo, that says that Islam is only one Islam, and it is a Sharia supremacist Islam. He might as well be ready to be chopping the heads off of Muslim reformers in Saudi Arabia. That's what they say before they put them in the chop shop to cut their hands because they say there is one Islam and it's in the Quran. It says cut your hands. Now I can give you many reformers who have been dissidents and put in jail who believed otherwise. Are they not Muslims? The Shura Council passed the fetwas it seems and they're coming they're coming hand over fist in the past few weeks from these so-called Islamic scholars who want to tell you there's only one Islam. We're ready to have that debate. Yes, we are dissidents. Yes, we are a minority. But to say that we don't even have room to have an opinion or that we are that they should be dancing on our grave is not only un-American. It actually is endorsing blasphemy laws. It is saying that our speech is useless because it is deceptive or taqiyyah. It is jihadist. And there are no greater jihadists than the al-jihadists when it comes to living in the land of freedom. Because they seem to be wanting to kill us and knock us off at the knees despite the progress that we make. This is Udi Jasser and I'll be right back on Reform This. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is... Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Students in the uh, show up in the audience, they're wearing black armbands. They stand and turn with their backs to him as some show of defiance. I mean, he's a sitting Supreme Court justice. The entire political science department boycott his speech, with the exception of my advisor and maybe one or two other professors. But they openly sign this letter saying they boycott his speech because he's such a vile and hateful person. Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with me and... Uh, I hope this week you get a sense that it's not just about reform within the House of Islam, but it's about the world seeing hope. It's about America, that city on a hill, seeing that perhaps what the Christian world went through can happen for the Muslim community. And you could even believe it's a quixotic thought. You can believe that there's a chance, significant chance at failure. But to declare it from its outset that reform will fail, will never happen. What is the strategy otherwise? Is the strategy to convert a quarter of the world's population? Would the strategy then be to simply build a wall around America and never interact with Islamic countries? Or would it be to continue to empower dictators 
because somehow Islam will reform itself under dictators. And how somehow the dictators don't want to destroy America, and yet we see through Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Pakistan, Iran, all these dictators are fueling a global spread of ideas that wants to destroy us. So in the end, there's a way, I think, to look at the alt-jihadist who channel, who parrot the ideas of Saudi Arabia and Salafi jihadism, militant Islam as the only Islam, as the Islam, and reformers as heretics, and commit takfir against us and tell us that we are not Muslims, no different than the judges of Iran and Saudi Arabia and ISIS tell us that we're not Muslims. It's the same. When the Diana Wests and John Guandolos and Stephen Kirby's Claire Lopez's of the world say that we are not Muslims, that we are fooling the West, how are they not then just parroting and channeling fascist jihadists? And how then by that parroting do they then not become also jihadists? So how is it that I'm the lying jihadist? But when the yin to the yang of jihad, which says, yes, the jihad is the only Islam, calls them out with no solution other than eternal war against 25% of the world's population or a plan to convert them. If there's no solution within the House of Islam, how do they then not become the jihadist greatest megaphone to say that that is Islam? So Muslims, if you love your faith, that's the only Islam you should go to. Otherwise, you need to leave your faith. Or otherwise, you seem to not understand Islam. So they become, make no mistake, the Stephen Kirby's of the world that mock my interpretations of my faith, that tell the Usama Hassan's, Ezra Nomani's, um, Rahil Raza, the Muslim leaders that signed our declaration and are part of the Muslim reform movement, that they mock as fantasy Islam. These Muslims, they are saying almost exactly the way the Saudis would say it, these alt-jihadists are useful idiots for the global Islamic movements, for the Sharia states of the world. We recognize as reformists that our voices are muffled, that our voices are dissident, voices that are tortured in these countries. So when we sit in the lap of freedom and we try to do the work they can't do in those dictatorships, and you don't see a response within a few days, how can you interpret but the fact that these alt-jihadists are simply dancing on our grave before we've even been born? And that how in one year, because we didn't get responses to emails, letters, phone calls to mosques, that somehow that means we were dead on arrival? Seriously, this is how history has shown that religious reform begins when in fact the greatest bloodshed in history where 7, 8 million died in the 30 years war and the religious wars in Europe and now we are going to say that Islam will never reform because in one year the Muslim reform movement's 15 leaders did not get a significant response? No. I would tell you that the alt-jihad movement of Kirby, Spencer, Boston, 
Lopez, Guandolo, and Diana West, to name a few. Oh, by the way, MilitantIslamMonitor.com said we are an abject failure this week. They posted that a week or two ago. In addition to a lot of libel and slander, that website hiding behind anonymity, reposting others and with the, with the temerity and the cowardice of hiding behind no names. I've seen Bila Rabinowitz's name on there. I've seen a few others, but nobody really knows who puts that website out, but yet it gets a lot of traction in the anti-jihad movement. But I would say that by posting libel and slander about our work, posting false information, Pamela Geller, I, I again, also has talked about Jasser's private Islam, this meme of fantasy Islam, also reposted Kirby's article, Guandolo's article, and Geller, doing the work of the alt-jihad, has basically said that there is no chance that this is a fantasy, non-existent Islam. I don't know what their solution is, but all I can tell you is that it's also born in dishonesty. I responded to Geller's accusations against my work in 2011. In a piece entitled, American Islamists Find Common Cause with Pamela Geller. Again, talking about these similar things where her and Robert Spencer and others were getting apoplectic about the fact that me and a few other Muslims like Ezra Nomani were testifying to Peter King's Homeland Security hearings and yet bringing up many of the same issues that they're concerned about. But no, they didn't care about the goals. They simply cared about the fact that Americans might see some hope within the House of Islam. She peddled lies that I was kicked out of my mosque, and then when I confronted her on in the piece, she blamed Andrew Boston. And now she just last month retweeted again, saying that I was kicked out of my mosque twice now. When in fact I've talked about pieces in which the clerics at our imam called me out from the pulpit and I then responded publicly with editorials in our state newspaper, pushing back into the face of the cleric at our Scottsdale Mosque, the sermon that called me out because of my criticism of Hamas. Yes, I've taken them on, but I've never been kicked out of my mosque. It shows you that the alt-jihad movement will do anything to make sure that there can never be a positive impression about Islam and about devout Muslims. Sure, they're not... They can say they're not bigots against Muslims, that's between them and God about what their real animus is and whether they have one or not. That's not what I'm here to judge, but I'm here to talk about the fact that their ideas are a dead end, their ideas are useful idiocy for Islamic theocracies and dictatorships, and that these countries are filled with a majority of Muslims that reject theocracy, and ultimately the defeat of these theocrats will come from the John Locke's, the Thomas Jefferson's, those who love their faith, who are intellectuals that know the Arabic, that know the Quranic interpretations, that can find those clerics like Abdullah Naim, like Fatima Marnisi, like Muhammad al-Ishmawi, like Elijah Izbegovic. These are scholars that have written about interpretations of Islam that can be modernized, that can be held compatible with Western thought. Do they have influence? In Al-Azhar or Saudi universities? No. But far be it for 
the Shura Council of Geller, West, Kirby, Spencer, Boston, and others to tell us Muslims how to read the Quranic Arabic or interpret it. And when they do that, they are the useful idiots of Islamic theocrats and Islamists. Just like the left are useful idiots of Islamists when they say the only Islam is a peaceful Islam, is a beautiful Islam. It's not Islamic terror, it's just a crime psychological problem. Those two sides of the equation both think that I'm the enemy because I'm open and critical about reforms necessary. Both sides of those equations are dead ends. One side continues to lift up dictators as having a version of Islam on the left they believe is wonderful and so what of how they treat women in Saudi Arabia. The other side says that the Saudi form of Islam is the only Islam. So they will, yes, demonize all of Islam and they do it in the name of human rights. But by not giving reformers any room to operate, they become the useful idiots of those theocrats. Anyone who thinks otherwise is just completely, completely ignoring the reality of the impact of their ideas. And you can see by Kirby's writings this week that they do this in order to say that we have, so that America doesn't put its resources behind solution strategies that empower moderates and reformers. And I can tell you, if they don't empower reformers, they're continuing to do what Obama did for eight years, and even Bush reform, which was empower Islamists. And the brotherhood movements that then actually ends up hurting us. So to say that their strategy, the alt-jihadist strategy of useful idiocy for theocrats, is somehow going to stop the funding of Islamists, that's not going to happen. Because even the Donald Trumps of this world that talk about reform, we still can't get them off of their addiction to the oil countries. With Secretary of States like Tillerson and others, do you think you can reform Islam when those governments in the Middle East are no longer going to be pushed towards an Arab awakening and revolution? I, I don't believe it's going to be that easy or even possible. But it is possible here in America. We can marginalize the Islamists and we can begin to work with reformers. Make no mistake, we reformers will die for the freedom of the alt-jihadists to criticize Islam, to tell us we're terminal, to say that we, we have no chance. That's fine. That's their free speech. Go for it. But everyone should realize that when they speak up about Islam as being monolithic, and that the rest of us don't know our Arabic and don't know our Islam, don't know our Quran, that we are just lying. They are the useful idiots for Islamic theocrats across the world who cheer and might as well be paying their salaries to write this thing. Because, yeah, they'll take the hit on the negative pejoratives about Islam that the al-jihadists say. But they realize that once the perception is out there that Islam is one Islam, whether it's hateful or not, they are the ones that dominate it, so it might as well be them. And that's why the royal family gets educated in Harvard and Cambridge and goes back to continue to dominate their mafia. It's just like the mafia. They don't care that people know they're corrupt and criminals. They run the place, so yeah. They still 
pray and believe in God, but they're the mafia. So, when the al-jihadists claim that the mafia of Islam, the kings and dictators of the 56 Muslim countries are the only Islam, they are the useful idiots of the Islamic mafia. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to gold right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 1-800-913-4653. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to our last segment this week of Reform This. It's always great to be with you and thank you for working with me today through this uh, difficult subject of what is the anti-jihad movement and what let's define what the alt-jihad movement is and a lot of this uh, began with that piece i mentioned from kirby who basically said that well because the muslim reform movement and zudi admits this in his interview with the federalist which by the way i'll ignore the whole thing except the one comment that jasser made about three thousand mosques that they reached out to and only 40 or so responded if that and somehow that proves that we are dead on arrival. <laughs> you know, that's absurd. Beyond the the traction that this is getting, and I can't tell you the number of people that have reached out to me to say, oh, is this true? Are you guys really failing? And does this mean there's no chance and that Muslims are all radical? Well, it, it does mean that many of them are anesthetized. It does mean that they don't see the urgency. It does mean that we have a problem and we recognize that. But does it mean that we are lying? The entire premise is absurd of the statement of the alt-jihadists that somehow the lack of response proves our failure. When we put out the challenge at our press conference, watch the press conference from December 4th, 2015. We challenged our self-appointed leaders of the community to prove a point. We knew that the majority of them would not respond because they reject those ideas. And they know that on record, it would make them demonstrably have no clothes. As the old saying about the emperor is. It's true that the vast majority of them would not sign our declaration. This is not the vast majority of the Muslim communities self-identified personal Muslims, this is the vast majority of the imams and the clerics who pretend, who have 
suffocated our communities because of the legacy groups and Muslim Brotherhood mentalities that they come from in Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and because of the governments they continue to tow the line of in the Middle East. Our effort was another public demonstration of that fact, with a new way to demonstrate it to the broader Muslim community that here is your leaders, here is the declaration that they reject, and what are you going to do about it? This is the civil rights cause of our time, and we have only just begun to scratch the surface of the pressure for change that needs to come to the Muslim community in this country where they have the laboratory to do the work they can't do elsewhere. Uh, but no, leave it to the alt-jihadists to say that, well, reformers are just lying. They're, it's a failure. It's an abject failure, as some of them have said. Look at our debates. Look at my debate with Stephen uh, Kirby. Look at my debate with uh, Robert Spencer. There's Carl Goldberg, the Act for America chapter leader here in Arizona. You should uh, look at that debate where for an hour and a half we debated. Some of these folks have in the alt-jihad movement, you know, uh, basically you'll see at the debate we had uh, with Sean Krauser moderating, uh, Goldberg basically said that mosques should, many of most of them should be shut down because they are political entities that seek to destroy the Constitution. Never mind that that's unconstitutional where we have operating Nazi parties, communist parties that also are un, that seek to destroy our constitution. But as long as they don't preach violence, American law permits their existence. Forget that fact. The bottom line is, is the alt-jihad movement seems to have elements within it, just like the alt-right and alt-left that wants to do things that are essentially un-American. And they do it by labeling honest reformers and our efforts as failures, as fantasy Islam, private Islam. If the Organization of Islamic Theocrats, the OIC cooperation of 56 countries, had sought to create Orwellian foils who they could use to both promote their own global supremacist domination of Islam and its Sharia state as the only Islam and also paint the West as wanting to convert and not work with Muslims within the community and not having the solutions for those reformers within their countries and make their reformers and free thinkers have nowhere to turn. They would have fueled the movements of the alt-jihadists. And I've said the same when you see Pamela Geller and CARE, basically. If you look at the Islamophobia webpage of CARE, its disagreements with our Muslim reform movement are basically the same as the alt-jihadists. So the alt-jihadists, as much as they seem to despise CARE, seem to be giving their, their, their message more bandwidth. So the care guys, the victimization organization that radicalizes our community across the country by telling them that they're under siege from the conspiracy of the day, the anti-Muslim West, etc., 
basically commit subtle takfir, kafir. They say that these Muslims that are working with the West, that believe in these ideas, are not real Muslims. You saw it with Keith Ellison saying that I'm just an Uncle Tom. You saw it with uh, many that attack us as being not legitimate real Muslims. So what does the alt-jihad do? They parrot it. They say it too. We're not legitimate Muslims. What has happened in Saudi Arabia? The Raif Bedouis of the world, the Walid Abu Khairs, who defend him, his attorney, are in jail. They're tortured, they're whipped, they're flogged, they're beheaded for their beliefs. Many of them are Muslim. Many of them are devout, who question the authority of the clerics. So please tell me, pray tell, please tell me, how can Islam be modernized when not only do the governments persecute, prosecute, and oppress people that question them in those countries over there, but here, where we're free to question the Islamists, there are alt-jihadists who say that we don't have legitimate interpretations. Make no mistake, that takfirism only empowers the Islamists, and that's why they're useful idiots of them. And you know, listen, to those on the left who want to use the al-jihad as to say it's part of the right, there are al-jihadists on the left also. And don't patronize us with the Islam is a religion of peace, Islam is just like Judaism and Christianity. No, Islam is still in pre-enlightenment times of the 13th, 14th century. Christianity, Judaism have gone through reformation and enlightenment and gone through the defeat of the theocratic state. And that's where Islam is in its history today. So don't patronize us with the false moral equivalency that the left loves to do by empowering the Islamists in this bigotry of low expectation. So yes, the left has a bigotry. The alt-left, by using Islamists in their collectivization, has a bigotry of low expectations. And the alt-jihadist has a bigotry of saying that Islam is only one. And that the jihadists are the only good Muslims because they're the only real Muslims. So they commit takfir by calling us heretics and blasphemers, which they've written many times. So why not look at our sources that we use? Read Elijah Isbegovich's book, El Ishmawi's book, Abdurrahman Wahid, the former president of Indonesia who wrote about the illusion of the Islamic State. Read and dissect his book. But don't say they aren't Muslims. Don't say they're nominal. And dismiss us as simply aberrations. By parroting, parroting others. And, you know, listen, I talked a couple podcasts ago about what does a Muslim do with the example of the Prophet? And yes, there are many stories, Sirah out there, about the Prophet that are just horrendous. That if the Prophet really did that, you could not reform Islam. But the question for Muslim reformers, as I've said before, is what is the real history of what the Prophet did? Call it mythology, call it what you will. If the alt-jihad wants to paint the picture that Muhammad was a militant barbarian who beheaded his opponents because he just wanted to, 
Not that he was a warrior, just as we have moral warriors in Afghanistan and Iraq today fighting good fights. Could there have been good fights that were fought for moral righteousness like every religious people have fought? And this was at a time in which there was no separation anywhere on the planet of religion and state. So to hold Muslims or the Prophet Muhammad accountable to that is just absurd. Yes, hold them accountable today to 21st century standards. So the question is, if the Prophet Muhammad was alive today, what would he do? I've talked to some alt-jihadists, some very religious folks who want to convince me that the Prophet Muhammad was a pedophilic warrior and a war monger. So is there is their perception that we can ultimately teach our children to love our faith and the message of Muhammad to say that God chose a such a type of person to become the messenger, the honorable example. We believe he's a man who was, had errors that God corrected him on, but to say that he wasn't a moral human being is not going to be a method by which you reform a faith that we love. Yes, it needs tough love. Yes, most of the, the narrations that have been twisted by Bukhari, Abu Huraira, all these other contrived interpretations of hadith. Yes, we should dismiss all the ones that are immoral and prove that they're illegitimate. But for those in the alt-jihad movement to say that that is Islam deprives Muslims of the space to resurrect and find versions of Islam that can live at peace with modernity, the U.S. Constitution, freedom, and liberty. So yes, debate us on the ideas, debate us on our sources, debate us on our interpretation of what various terms may be. But be realistic that you are truly an alt-jihad when you say that there's only one Islam and the Islam of the Muslim reform movement is nonsense or that it's failing. Be realistic and honest that when you, you say that every Muslim that's devout across the planet is a jihadist, that you're actually doing the work of the jihadists. And they're useful idiots. Alt-jihadism is at its core takfirism by any other name. So whether you're the willful blindness of the left or the black and white darkness of Islam on the alt-jihadists, those are all alt-jihad movements that are suffocating the space for reform. Yes, we have our work cut out for us. Yes, I'll give you 90% of Islamic leaders as pathological in their theocratic mentality since most of those countries are dictatorships in which they empower theocrats. But... What I won't give you is that there's no space within the religion. We can give you apologetics from our history. You can read Maimonides. You can read Bernard Lewis's book on the Jews of Islam, on what went wrong. There are many scholars of Islam that have said that if the recipe was bad, Islam would have failed a long time ago. But it has not. So there are elements now that are need to be resurrected from a history that has been 100, 200, if not 400 years since the beginning of the Ottomans that has been solidified and needs to be loosened up and questioned and reformed. This is Zudi Jasser. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. And God bless. Hello?
You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jesser. The Blaze Radio Network.